Hello, my name is Neil Ferguson. I'm the Millbank Family Senior Fellow here at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, and I also chair the Hoover History Working Group. Uh, this week, we've been delighted to welcome to our regular webinar, Andrew Porwansha, who's the Wick Carey Associate Professor at the University of Oklahoma, and also one of the Ernest May Fellows at Harvard's Belfast Center, uh, really a kind of sister institution uh, to the Hoover History Working Group, uh, because that's where uh, the uh, Harvard Center for Applied History is based. Andrew's uh, written widely on uh, a, a fantastic variety of U.S. historical subjects. Uh, his books include The Devil Himself, A Tale of Honor, Insanity, and the Birth of Modern America, and John Henry Wigmore and the Rules of Evidence, the Hidden Origins of Modern Law. Uh, he's now working on another book, I should say two other books, uh, Theodore Roosevelt and the Jews, which is already under contract with Princeton, and another book, even more, The Legal Legacy of James Bradley Thayer. But today he came to talk to us about his uh, most recently published book, The Jewish World of Alexander Hamilton. Andrew, welcome to Hoover and the History Working Group. Uh, let me begin by asking you about Hamilton's general resurgence in uh, popularity and uh, public interest. I remember nearly 20 years ago coming to New York, uh, Hamilton City, and complaining with my old friend Dick Silla that Hamilton was the forgotten founding father, the, the one who'd sort of done the most to shape modern America and got the least credit. And then suddenly, in what seemed like an overnight sensation, he became enormously famous thanks to Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't the musical that drove you to uh, to focus on this particular aspect of, of Hamilton's life, but tell me a bit about the kind of roller coaster of being a Hamilton scholar as he's gone from obscurity to celebrity. That's a great question, and first let me just thank you, Neil, for having me. I'm thrilled to be here at the Belfer Center's sister program, Applied History Projects, sister program. So I initially started working on this project before the musical came out. And I was actually doing research in New York City, living a couple blocks from the theater as it goes up on Broadway. And I thought, well, this is rather curious. This subject I'm working has become the topic of a musical. It sounded so gimmicky that I thought this is going to shut down after a couple of weeks. So I've got to go right away. And I actually went to see it when it was still in previews. You get a ticket the day of for like 80 bucks. And I was like blown away. I thought, well, this is, this is extremely catchy. Uh, it's really captivating. And it ended up generating this enormous public demand for more on Hamilton. And so it was totally fortuitous and completely by happenstance that I was working on America's Forgotten Founder who became America's historical icon. What's really striking to me about the musical and a lot of Hamilton fans now don't realize this, is he was something of a loathed figure back when, you know, you and Richard Silla were alone in praising Hamilton. And he has become popular across the spectrum in the United States and really around the world. And yet within academia, there's still a decided animosity towards Hamilton. There's a resistance 
to the idea of Hamilton as a small D Democrat who had any sort of affinity for ordinary people, for people on the margins. And it has been interesting writing a book about Hamilton's not just a possible Jewish identity in his youth, but also his unquestionable alliance with a Jewish community in America that was routinely subjected to discrimination. And I hope that this book can, in the spirit of the musical, help people rethink how we imagine not just Hamilton's story, but what that story has to tell us about the larger story of the American founding writ large. Let's start with with Hamilton's origins. Uh, Famously, the first line of the musical Hamilton describes him as the bastard son of a Scotsman and a whore. Uh, You're telling us that's not quite accurate. Bad news for us Scots who long claimed him as one of our own. Well, you can rest assured that his father, James Hamilton, was indeed Scottish. And my claim, and it's an admittedly probabilistic claim, given some of the silences in the historical record, but my claim is that the balance of evidence suggests Alexander Hamilton is actually born and raised Jewish, that his mother, who was born into a French Huguenot family, in all likelihood converts to Judaism to marry a Jewish merchant in the Danish West Indies, and that although she bears Alexander out of wedlock to this Scotsman, still she chooses to raise her son in her adopted faith of Judaism. And so the book is centrally interested in uncovering the evidence of Hamilton's religious background and trying to think hard about what that might tell us concerning Hamilton's American adulthood, even in that latter phase of his life, when he is at least nominally making pretenses to a Christian identity. So let's talk a bit about your historical methods. Uh, it's clear that, uh, and he admits it, uh, that you uh, looked at sources Ron Chernow did not look at. Uh, this is not a, a hypothesis in Chernow's best-selling uh, biography, which was the basis uh, for the musical. Tell us how you figured this out. You say it's probabilistic. That That's telling us there isn't a kind of document that says, yep, he's definitely Jewish. But tell, tell us how you got to this conclusion. Most anything we could say about Hamilton's Caribbean heritage is a question of probabilities, given the vagaries and the silences in the historical record. And so any claim about his religious upbringing is no different in that regard. That said, given the fact that he's a relatively obscure child in the 18th century Caribbean, there is a wealth of material that we do have that can help shed light on this question. Hamilton scholars have been dubious of the suggestion that Hamilton's stepfather, Johann Levine, was a Jew because he's not listed in the Danish records from the Caribbean island of St. Croix, where he got married, as a Jew. But what my research has uncovered is that the Jews on St. Croix were not identified as Jews in those records. And in fact, when we consider other details that we know about Johann Levine, including uh, a number of spellings of his surname, which match how Jews of Levitic descent spell their surnames, his profession as a merchant, his history on a Caribbean island that he came from with a large Jewish community, the fact that he conducts business disproportionately with Jews, 
and the fact that Hamilton's own grandson expressly identifies him as a, quote, rich Danish Jew, all tends to support the theory that he very likely was Jewish. And then this raises the question of whether Alexander's mother, Rachel, converts to Judaism to marry him. Talk a bit about how you describe Hamilton's upbringing in this uh, context, hitherto unknown, unrecognized, and how that relates to his subsequent career. Hamilton, notably, we have no surviving baptismal record for him, and his mother enrolls him at a Jewish school. And we know this because the one memory that Hamilton shared with his own children about his upbringing, he was notoriously taciturn about his Caribbean past, but he did share with them his Jewish education. And he told them that when he was little, his teacher would put him on a table so they would be eye level and he would recite to her the Ten Commandments in the original Hebrew. And this detail is striking because there is not evidence from the 18th century Caribbean or really anywhere where we know there were Jews to suggest that Jewish schools made a practice of teaching children who were considered Christian. Jewish schools were religious instruments. They existed to turn Jewish children into observant Jewish adults. And there is, to your question, a fraught political environment. Jewish-Christian relations are dicey. Jews have been kicked out of a number of Caribbean islands. Their continued presence on Nevis, where Hamilton grows up, is not a certainty. Jews are largely living in their own quarter that is part of some of the least desirable real estate on the island of Nevis. And so this segregation of Jewish-Christian life further undermines the assumption for most Hamilton scholars that he was simply a Christian child attending a Jewish school. The reality is a Jewish education for any given child in this time period creates a strong presumption of that child's status as a Jew. So fast forward to Hamilton's crucial role uh, in the founding of the United States. Uh, crucial role uh, politically, crucial role militarily. Uh, I want you to give me a sense of uh, how your book shows this Jewish background to have influenced uh, his role uh, in the American founding. Hamilton, while he identifies as Christian in the United States, doesn't breathe a word about his past generally, including any Jewish heritage, he never forgets. Hamilton emerges as a champion of American Jewry against the forces of anti-Semitism. As the visionary of America's financial future, Hamilton invigorates the very sectors of the economy, trade and finance, where Jews, by want of other opportunity, tend to concentrate. And in fact, Hamilton's opponents, in a bid to derail his financial vision, often rely on anti-Semitism, often wield anti-Semitism as a political cudgel, often accuse Hamilton of pursuing his particular policies purely to benefit greedy, nefarious Jews. Hamilton is also an influential alumnus of Columbia in New York City, and he institutes a number of policies that are friendly to Jews. He puts the first Jew on the board of an American college. He helps change the requirements for the college presidency 
so that Jews and Christians alike could serve as the president of the institution. This is a kind of reform we don't see from many other colleges until the 20th century. And Hamilton in his legal career is the preeminent litigator at the New York bar. He defends leading Jewish citizens in court. And at a time when his Jewish witnesses were accused of lying under oath purely because of their Jewish faith, he fulminates against anti-Semitism. He invades against opposing counsel for dismissing Jews, for suggesting that in this new American Republic that he fought to create, Jews and Gentiles shouldn't stand upon an equality. It is the most full-throated condemnation of anti-Semitism to pass the lips of any American founder. And so in all of these respects, Hamilton stands out among the founders in his conviction of a nation where American justice would be blind to religion. One last question that I can't resist asking. Uh, the last time I did any serious work on the American Revolution, I was very struck by the role uh, of Masonic lodges uh, in, in the story and the number of the founders who were Masons. And of course, Masonic lodges were the institutions in, in Europe and in North America where Jews and, and, and Christians could in fact most readily associate. Uh, was Hamilton a Mason? That's a great question. I don't, I don't believe that Hamilton was a Mason. I don't recall seeing evidence of that, but what I, I can say, because I, I do think that this aspect of Masonry is hugely important and hugely underappreciated, I think you're really onto something, is that you find Jews uh, in Hamilton's orbit who are Freemasons, and that these lodges do provide a place for Jewish Christian friendship. Notably in Nevis where Hamilton grows up, there is no Masonic lodge where Jews and Christians might forge these kinds of friendships. It appears by all accounts that there is greater segregation of Jewish and Christian life in the world of his upbringing than we find in the newly conceived American Republic. I think you're right. I couldn't find any trace of Hamilton as a Mason when I did research for, for the square and the tower on this subject. But let's put it this way. If it turned up, it wouldn't surprise either of us uh, in the least. Uh, Andrew, I want to congratulate you on an absolutely fascinating book. Uh, it is hard, uh, after so many books have been written on the subject, to say something new about the founders of uh, the American Republic. And you've You've done it. The Jewish World of Alexander Hamilton is the book just out this year with Princeton University Press. I urge uh, all scholars, all students, all people interested in Alexander Hamilton or indeed the founding of the Republic to uh, buy and read the book. It's been a great pleasure to have you uh, with us this week and we look forward to keeping uh, the communications going between uh, the uh, Hoover History Working Group and the, the Belfer Center at Harvard. Andrew, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Neil.